Okay, welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. This is attempt number four to have Brad Jensen on my podcast. I think you have seen fully to the greatest extent more than anybody else how much of a grandma I am with technology, Brad. <laughs> I thought you were going to say how much like just dysfunction. I was going to say, oh, like you will never get any judgment from me. This is the story of my life. So <laughs> I'm like, this feels perfectly right at home. I'm yeah, a lead welcome. type A person. I'm just like, man, whatever. We'll make it work. So, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I'm not a type A either. Is that what you said that you're not a type A? Definitely not. Yes. I'm not either. I just pretty much go with the flow. Like, whatever happens, happens. We'll react when it happens. <laughs> yes, that's me. We'll figure it out when we're there. Uh, obviously I have some plans and that's no disrespect to type A people, but I no. dated a gal years ago who was super type A and I drove her absolutely insane. I was just like, man, we'll figure it out. She's like, we won't <laughs> get a plan. I was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I always pat myself on the back when I have planned. Cause usually things are like last second, like, Oh, let's, let's, sound, let's go to Disneyland. When tomorrow, that sounds fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm super proud of myself too. When I'm like, good job. Like you actually thought through this. And so anyways, I'm pumped to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yes, I am so excited. How was your father's day? It was great. It's great. Did you have your little one, your little yeah. boy? Yeah. So I get him every every father's day. Um, it wasn't my weekend, but um, I got him and she didn't let me take him a, a day early. So it was fun. It was great. I, um, yeah, just very uh, relaxing and spent time with him. Just being a dad, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys got him through in vitro, huh? Yeah. That just came to my mind today because we're getting ready for another IVF. Oh, good luck. So, yeah, it's a, it's people are like, oh, that's so exciting. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, no. <laughs> I sound so negative, but I'm like, I, uh, it's hard. It's a process. I didn't even have to get the, all the injections and the hormones. And I mean, I did some of them, um, not injections, but hormones to get, because I had to come off my exogenous TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. But, and I felt a little bit crazy too, but watching what Kelly had to go through, it's just a brutal process. The whole thing. Like I just, it was very, very trying. Like, I mean, I can only imagine on her end. Um, it was just, yeah. So, I mean, I won't say congratulations. But that's awesome. You guys are going for it. Yeah, we're going for it. We'll see. I told Alex, I'm like, I'm about to be like, I'm I'm 38, almost 30. I don't want to be 40 pregnant. Like it is now or never. Like I, I do not want to be that 40 year old. I am excited to chat with you today, Brad, because I feel like you have been studying a lot about all of these fat loss drugs. I mean, there's there's one that's right now super popular driving down the freeway. I'm seeing like all of these signs for what is it called? The amigrutide. Yes. Yeah. See, I don't even know the name of it. Does but you you've been diving deep into it. You've been studying this, right? Yeah. I mean, that's. Uh... Definitely where I shine and with our clients is more the nutrition end and the drug end, apparently, um, whereas <laughs> you are so much better at training than me. So it just makes sense like where our attention goes. Um, 
So if you guys don't, semiglutide is a, it's a GLP-1 agonist. Essentially, it mimics uh, the GLP-1 receptor um, that is basically in your body. And in so many words, to break it down in layman's term, it, it basically is responsible for uh, it's the gas you get once you eat food from your gastric emptying to your brain, say basically signals and says, hey, you're full. It also plays a role in kicking off insulin to help, um, you know, um, blood sugar as the food rises, all of this, right? Um, and yeah, these GLP-1 agonists are, so they've been around for a while because uh, they're actually a type 2 diabetic drug, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so I had somebody challenge me when I said, there's just not enough long-term studies. And they said, sure, there is on some of these more brand name ones that are called um, Wegovi, Ozempic. But those, first off, it's not even that long. Sure, we might have 10 years worth of studies, but it all of those drugs have only been cleared for actually prescribed for weight loss. Um, I believe it's been a year and a half, two years, two years. So we don't have long-term data on not somebody who's diabetic and needs to regulate their their glucose, right? Um, and so I have my concerns about that. But yeah, they basically got approved for weight loss because they found when they were giving this to diabetic patients, first off, their fasting glucose, their A1C, all these numbers like dramatically improved. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable, way more than metformin. But what they found along the way was like, oh, these people also are losing a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. And so... Then obviously drug drug companies are like, we can make a lot of money off this. So oh, yeah. uh, they got it FDA approved um, to for weight loss. And so that's when it started being prescribed. But I would say the last six to eight months, this thing has hit a new craze. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I definitely have my concerns about it. I think that that's wise to, to question whether this is right just for general population. Um, my neighbor works for a um a company that develops a lot of the this these drugs and in fact he said in the last month this drug company has made more in one month from this than they did all of last year that's insane i kind of want to talk about like the good the bad and the ugly like I think people always want to talk about like, well, is it safe? And which is a fabulous question. Is it safe? But I also want to talk about, is it solving the real problem or is there more to it? So first off, let's go on on safety. What are some of your concerns as far as safety goes? Yeah. So it was interesting. I've had uh, two different people on my podcast over the last four months talking about this. And one was my actual um, hormone doctor who I have a great relationship with um, and their clinic is now pushing the semiglutide. And then the other one was with um, my good friend and client, um, Dr. Nick Howland. And and Nick's actually a board certified plastic surgeon. However, his partner has got into, you know, this game of prescribing it, which kind of already he's like, he basically said on the podcast, okay, so if a plastic surgeon's like, oh, let's get on this game too. There's money to be made with these. Um, <laughs> and two very different um, opinions. Obviously, one was more for it and uh, Nick is not for it at all. Uh, I mean, for the right person, he was just like me. 
So is it safe? I don't know. And I don't think anybody really knows. And that's the problem inherently with something like this is we don't really, we don't really know. What we do know is there is a load of side effects and the dose definitely will, will contribute to how bad these side effects are, but almost across the board, they're seeing um, low grade to severe nausea. Um, but, mm-hmm. and you got to think what, when you're a little bit nauseated too, what are you also not? You're not hungry. So yeah, you know what I mean? Um, it's um, lots of GI disruption um, because the slow gastric emptying of the food means that Obviously, it's taking longer to break down in your GI tract, which does another thing, keeps you full, right? The problem inherently is lots of people are getting severe constipation um, because the food's moving too slow, right? Oh, um, and that's you know, kind of a red flag for a lot of people who may suffer from estrogen dominance because we understand that bowel movements are extremely important. So, women listening, if you already know that that's a red flag for you, probably don't want to make it worse because we get rid of estrogen actually through that that path. So that's interesting, Brad, that you bring that up, that that slows that that's down. That's a great point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the exact statistic. Uh, Dr. Peter Tia was talking about it and uh, on one of his AMAs on his podcast. And I, I think, and obviously this is just, you know, sending out surveys to people who have been on these drugs, but I think it was like 70 something percent had had reported either mild or severe constipation. Um, you know, if we're talking three, three out of four people, I mean, and, and who knows, I, I think it might even be a little higher, but so, and then along with that, um, a decent amount of patients are also getting um, heartburn, acid reflux once again because the food is moving too slow, making the body a little more acidic. So this is all not good, right? Um, you know, the safety of it, as far as is there anything like where we look at a drug like FinFan back in, I mean, I, that was way before my time. I just, I remember. But I remember right. hearing yeah, about yeah, that yeah, drug. I That's hearing, funny. Yeah. I mean, we, we were we were alive. We just like weren't in this <laughs> industry. We were teenagers. Yeah. But yeah. that was very dangerous because it was both, it was like an amphetamine effect, right? People were having, you know, cardiac problems big time, like racing heart. I mean, because it was, it was kind of a stimulant. I mean, it was yeah. kind of, it's kind of like meth, right? That was obviously more dangerous. There's nothing exactly about the semiglutide yet or any of these GLP-1s that is like, oh, like that's so bad for you. Um, but I feel like the cumulative effect of all the side effects is what concerns me. And that leads me to my next thing, which is, um, you know, so far, like most the people reporting all these weight loss, when they're actually doing DEXA scans on these people, they're finding that um, a good chunk, like 50 to 75% or 50%, I'm sorry, is lean mass, which is not a great number, right? Um, Mm, That's interesting. 25 to 50%. Sorry, that was the number. What was it? 25 to 50% was yeah, lean muscle I think muscle Dr. Mass? Peter kind of landed on that, like anywhere about 30 to 40% um, estimated weight loss is showing to be muscle, which is mm-hmm. obviously concerning too. Now, as I dove into that more, because I was like, that's really concerning. And that's the one thing Dr. Howland brought up. I looked at it. There's actually nothing in the drug that's making your muscles atrophy. But what it is, is when you're only eating 800 calories a day and... um you're not being able to get much protein in. So you don't have any energy to go lift. So you're not lifting, you're not getting protein in. 
this can be combated on the semiglutide. And I need to make that clear. Like I was worried about there was something in the drug. So is it safe? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, um, I don't think we'll know the answer to that for, you know, 10 years. There doesn't appear to be anything that people are just going to like drop dead. Um, okay. But when you start, like you said, let's say you have hormonal problems, you're an estrogen dominant, and now you're not pooping. I mean, I'm talking, I, I've had clients on this, um, <clears throat> not because I sent them on it, but, and I've had to, I mean, we're talking like four or five days is a common thing without having a bowel movement on this stuff. Now, I'm not saying that's across the board. Some of these people already suffered from GI issues. Um, so I don't know. We're going to figure out if it's safe or not, but um, there's there's a load of side effects that I think a lot of practitioners want to act like are not that bad because, you know, Nick, uh, Dr. Allen kind of said the uh, the quiet part out loud that we're not supposed to know, which was it's costing the actual physician for these. Um, so you you have the drug companies who own the brand name ones and they're crushing it. You'll see that doctors aren't as apt to prescribe all that because they're not really have a huge incentive. The semi-glutide is the compounded version of these drugs. And they're getting that for $100 from the compound pharmacy. And the average price to pick that up for each month for your dose of semi-glutide is anywhere from five to $800, depending on the clinic. So you got to think for a five-minute visit, they're talking anywhere from four to $700 profit like that. Mm. So because of that, and now for the right person, and I've actually had some people like come at me, like, how could you, you know, how could you ever recommend this? First off, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually like, because for the right person, I think this makes a ton of sense. That would be somebody who's clinically obese. If they were looking at weight loss surgery or something really um, risky, like the gastric sleeve, I think habit change and semi-glutide or any of these GLP ones would be a a far better route like that. That would be, I think makes far more sense. Yeah. One of the concerns too, that Nick brought up and we don't know the answer to this, but he said, and it makes sense to me is anytime we're getting something exogenously. So outside into our body. So example is me on testosterone. My body stopped making testosterone a long time ago when we were going through IVF and I had to come off it. And we were trying to boost my sperm count back up because that was next to nothing from, from the uh, testosterone. Uh, it was, I think six months into it, we got just enough sperm that we could do ICSI in vitro, but my testosterone levels, she looked at me and I mean, they were next to nothing still. She said, Oh, I don't know if you're ever coming back. Like you've shut your body down too long. Your pituitary doesn't, I said, do you think I'll ever get it back? And she goes, no, because hmm. I could be wrong, but his concern made a lot of sense to me that, and we don't know the answer to this yet. But is this shutting off your body's own GLP-1? Meaning, once you go off of this, are you going to be hungrier indefinitely than you normally would? Now, a lot of patients reporting getting off it, they are significantly hungrier because their appetite comes back with a vengeance. Does it regulate his concerns where anytime we're signaling something in the body, hey, we're getting this from the outside, you don't need to make it anymore? I mean, you look at thyroid meds, same stuff, right? If you just went off your thyroid, well, your situation is different, but... Let's say somebody has had a sluggish thyroid. They go on, they go on some T3 or T4 medication and they're on that for four or five years. When they come off it, their body's going to have a really hard time, you know, getting that number back up by itself, right? Yeah, yeah. And that is common for people, bodybuilders to try to get 
uh, increase their T3, right? Because we want to increase, that's the, that's the thyroid hormone that has been connected the most with our metabolism. So that was the whole idea. Well, if we increase that, can we burn a little bit more body fat, right? Um, and even now within, I have friends that are in the body uh, competitive um, competitors. And now everybody is getting on to semi-glutide for their, for their shows. Like almost everybody, it's insane. I'm like, we just don't know. And also that concerns me because I'm like, these people are going to such extremes to stand up on the stage. It's not healthy anyways. It's not, and, and they know it's not. It's part of their, it's, you know, part of their sport. It's an extreme sport, but, but that concerns me that now everybody's just being thrown on it. Yeah. But I, I do want to go back to what you were saying, like for the right person, I, because I do love that you brought that up, that we don't live in, I don't believe me or you live in a black and white world. We understand that wisdom lies somewhere in between and that there's obviously exceptions. And it can be a great tool for those individuals. I think we're speaking about this a lot because it's people who need to lose 5, 10, 15 pounds that are getting on this, right? Are you seeing that like I am? That's my concern. Um, uh, to reference him again, Dr. Pierre Tien, and I noticed this firsthand with my sister who went on it. And I mean, she could come on here and give you every reason why she should have not gone on it. You know, she needed to lose probably 20 pounds. She felt like her her binge eating was out of control. And guess what? This solved it in the moment. But guess what happened afterwards? She gained back the weight plus more. And and I'm not saying that she's because of drug. Her habits obviously um, were not great. And her binge eating got worse once she got off the medication, right? And she got off it because the side effects were so gnarly for her. But they're seeing a, a increased resting heart rate by about 10 beats per minute, which obviously is, is not great. Like that we're just our heart. I mean, that's clearly indicating that this drug is putting some stress on the body. And so she noticed that in her aura ring, like it gives you like a readiness score. And she was always like perfect. And it dropped like 10 points. And it's because her sleeping resting heart rate was about 12 beats higher per minute on average than normal. Now that has subsided and came back down when she went off and, and it happened pretty quick. But that to me is also like, oh, a little bit of a red flag. Now, all of that being said, for the right person, if you are clinically obese and you need this, especially if you have a really high A1C, blood sugar issues, insulin issues, that's what originally what this was designed for. So I have a client that's currently on it that's been heavy her whole life. We've been working together for quite some time. I mean, years. And this has been the thing that finally gave her that boost to, to get down. But she also is type 2 diabetic. So she's been on metformin and all these things. And for the cost for her, for finally to start losing weight, she still is going to the gym. She's still doing these things. Um, it's worth it for her. She does have side effects, but she's finally losing weight. She got her blood numbers back and significant improvements in her glucose, insulin, A1C. I think this is a win for someone like her. Yeah. Um, I want to work with her really closely as we like, you know, she tapers off to make sure she's keeping all this going, but she's doing a great job with her sleep, her steps, her, her, her gym, everything. Like 
she's a classic example of somebody who was almost 300 pounds. She's finally getting down and she's dropping like 1.82 pounds a week. So even for having that much weight, it's not like it's five pounds a week. I feel good about that. She's gotten a DEXA. She's only lost a little bit of lean muscle tissue. However, the problem, like you said, is that's not who's going on it. Like that makes sense to me why she, when she told me, I was like, Jen, I think this makes a lot of sense for you. And I've had some other clients say, what do you think about doing this? I said, you do not need it. You can do whatever you want. You're a free person. But the people needing to lose 10, 5, 10, 15 pounds is not the right candidate for this. Like, mm. first off, if you are ready, one concern I've had, if your blood sugar is already really good, this might pull it too low. I've had, a, I've had people report to me, not clients, a friend of mine who she actually had a little too low of blood sugar. She was like, oh, I keep getting dizzy. And like, she's Blood sugar is going way too low. This is not good. Like yeah. it's it's going to pull the blood sugar down regardless if you're high or you're great or you're already too low. And so that concerns me. And also to lose five or 10 pounds, like this reminds me of, you know, it's just as bad as somebody like, how well, maybe it's totally different context, but I've seen guys take mass amounts of steroids like, enough to kill a horse to gain that extra five, seven pounds of muscle, right? Yeah. And, and end up with all kinds, liver is screwed up, kidneys are screwed up. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. dude, like, is it really worth it, you know, to do that? Yeah. And that's what concerns me because it's yet another quick fix and people are simply just going to eat less. And if you're not changing your habits, any weight loss you get off this drug is all for naught. And again, the side effects, the resting heart rate, the acid reflux, the huge disruptions in GI, constipation, not not excreting toxins through your poop, your estrogen, all of this what you spoke to. Um, and the fact that you feel a little nauseated all the time. Most people are not reporting a great mood on semi-glutide. It, mm. it's, it's not improving your quality of life unless you're really obese. So um, yeah, and clinics are doing it because they want to make money. Like that's mm-hmm. what that's what frustrates me. I figured there was money in this, but when I found out just how much off of one patient for a quick five-minute visit, no habit checks, come in, they're not even doing a med check. They're literally just getting their meds and leaving 90% of the time. Um, That's what's concerning. And and that falls just as much on the prescriber as it does Mm -hmm. the patient. 100%. I think that that's irresponsible. But you brought up so many great points that I just want to revisit and really (laughs) nail down. One, this is just another crash diet, right? Because if people are not changing their habits and that's every single person who has asked my opinion on this, I'm like, look, I haven't been able, I haven't studied this. So I don't know if there are side effects. Like you've really done a great job, Brad, of, of studying this, bringing in people, interviewing them. And I'm like, but regardless, like, I don't need to know that to tell you that if, if they are not changing their habits and their lifestyle, then it doesn't matter if they lose five, 20, 30 pounds, because as soon as they come off, it will be the same exact thing as any other crash diet that they will just rebound and gain it all. And the problem, and I love that you brought this up, the the loss in lean muscle mass, is that that's a big deal because if somebody, it doesn't matter if it's from a drug or a crash diet, if you lose lean muscle mass and then gain all the fat 
or excuse me, if you gain the weight plus some back, you are now in a worse position than when you started because you actually have more fat because you lost lean muscle tissue. So health-wise, you're in a worse position. So it doesn't matter. I don't care if somebody can lose 20, 30 pounds. That's not impressive. Anybody can get into a calorie deficit, use a drug, whatever. Anybody can. Can you maintain it? That's the unicorn, right? Like that's what we're going for. Not just for another quick fix. That actually isn't a fix because nothing was fixed. And in six months, you're going to be exactly where you were before. And you'll be like, oh, better go back because it quote unquote worked. But it didn't because if it worked, you wouldn't have to be revisiting it again. Exactly. So kills me. Just to elaborate a little bit on that, I had, this is when these drugs first came out and I had never really heard of it. The first that was spoken to me was I had a client in Florida who was about five foot six, fantastic man, but he's going to die if he doesn't do something different. Five, six, three, 40, like big, big man. Wow. Yeah. Really high respected in his church and like all these things. Great dude. He's going to die. His doctors are like, dude, we're putting you on this drug. So he's the first one that told me about it. And I'm like, I've never heard of it. I'm like, let me look into it. And I was like, okay. So he did it. He was losing five, six pounds a week. He hated how he felt. And I have a suspicion he's a food addict. So he missed his food because it takes away your desire to want to eat. Um, that's a whole different story. Shortly after that, I, I kind of getting to know this a little, but it hadn't like, you know, I had one client on, I was going to spend like, you know, days researching this. I was like, okay, probably good for you. So I had another client go on it who did not typical needed to lose about 15 pounds. Wasn't very consistent. Great girl. She goes on it. Our dieting calories were about 1600. So she doesn't tell me she's going on this. And the first week I noticed she only ate about 1300. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on? I'm just not very hungry this week. The second week, she's not, she finally tells me. By, by the time she was on the highest dose of this four weeks in, the most calories she was getting on a daily basis was 1,000. Most days were 700. And I would like text her and be like, please tell me your, your logs are incorrect. Like, please tell me you forgot to track some stuff. She's like, nope. But oh my gosh, I'm just losing weight. At the same time, she quit going to the gym because now she had no energy. I mean, if you're only eating 800 calories a day, you're going to have no energy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, her steps were decent, but they dropped. But the gym was just the thing she sacrificed. I had some big concerns about this. She ends up losing about 25 pounds. So she actually stops working with me because why would she need a coach? She's losing all the weight, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, I don't feel ethical about this anyway. So this is probably right. Like she hits me back about nine months later. She comes back to me. She goes, I need your help. I've actually been able to maintain a lot of my weight loss, um, but I am so weak. And I was like, okay, let's hop on a call. So I hop on a call with her. She had lost 26 pounds. She'd gone back to the gym. To give you one example, she was inclined chest pressing 25 pounds before. The most she could get for the same reps, which was like, I don't know, 10, 12, was 10 pounds. I'm talking every single lift was decreased by 50% or more. So I said, mm-hmm. put some Barakas pictures in there. I'm telling you, I, I, I told her flat out, I think you looked better 25 pounds ago. That's the God honest truth. Because my guesstimate is at least half of the weight she lost was lean muscle. So now we're talking about 12, 13 pounds of muscle loss. She, she goes, I feel skinny fat. I said, I want to be super honest with you. you. You do look skinny fat. Sorry. like, and. 
So she starts gaining some weight back because we're doing what? We're trying to gain the muscle back. Mm-hmm. Breaks out, goes back on the medication. Uh, no. I had to cut ties. If she's listening to this, I love her. I told her. That's when I started getting really concerned. I was like, is there something in this drug? Is it just because she kept lifting? And I saw, I'm like, well, it makes sense. How could you support enough muscle on like 28 grams of protein a day? And yeah. 800 calories. Because protein doesn't sound very good to these people because it does what? It digests much slower. Mm. So that's the last thing your body's craving. So what sounded good to her was a bagel with a little smear of peanut butter or like, which in and of itself, I don't care about. But if that's your whole breakfast, this is where we're running into problems. So that was putting her health at the end of this because she didn't need to go on this in the first place, my humble opinion. And I think many people would back me on that. Her health was significantly worse. So when you said, is it safe? Well, I think for someone like that, it's actually probably not that safe Mm. because now we look at it, like you said, from a health perspective, from a metabolism perspective, everything is suboptimal compared to where it was. Her lean tissue... And now this fear of gaining the weight back, she's just going to keep going back to the drug, even though she knows in her head, she needs to recoup some of this muscle. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, you, this is going to take a while, but you, you, you're you going to weigh more. Like, we need to. She couldn't do it, right? So those that's a classic example of somebody who was willing to stay skinny at any cause, even if it meant not looking as good, just to see that number on the scale. And I think that is incredibly damaging and scary. Yeah, that is, that's, that's a great point because women already struggle with that. I can't tell you how many times I've helped women lose weight and they are convinced that they have so much muscle. And then we, we drop down and they're like, oh, I thought, I thought I had more muscle on my glutes. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. you didn't. (laughs) And I have suffered from that too. Right. I, I drop down a little bit. I'm like, oh, I thought that was muscle and it wasn't. So that's already something that that is so hard, but that's it is interesting. I mean, I feel like most of the people who listen to my podcast are those that love muscle, love feeling strong. And this is just not going to be the answer. I I firmly believe that. So it's interesting because a lot of times um Anti-dieters will say dieting doesn't work. And I mean, we know why they're saying that. The, they, there is truth to that because 80% of people gain the weight back. So if you're looking at it from that numbers of dieting, yeah, it, it quote unquote doesn't work. And so I feel like this is just kind of another one of those. But if you're not changing your lifestyle. And I think it was Lane Norton that said that they did a meta-analysis and they reviewed the the 20% of people who were able to maintain. And why were they able to maintain? And he said, it's because they changed their identity. Mm -hmm. And it's not a drug that changes your identity. Like that's, that's the hard work that's like the mental, emotional hard work. I, I always, and I feel like you're on the same page with me, Brad, that you cannot separate working, like nutrition, working out from the mental game of, no, you literally have to become a new person. You have to identify as a new person. Otherwise, it doesn't work. 100%. You even look at the psychology factor of, 
deep down inside. So, and, and this is the, the best comparison I have. When I used to take a lot of steroids, I knew, I knew why I was getting so jacked. I knew why I was up 15 pounds in a build and most of it was muscle. I knew that. So it's like, I was never actually, like I knew I was cheating the system. Like I knew this. So, you know, once you come off this cycle, you're going to lose that muscle. So you never shift this full identity of like, that's why when I gain a couple pounds of muscle now through a build, like I'm like, yes, like, because yes, I'm on exogenous testosterone, hundred percent. I'm always honest about that. But like, that feels really good to me. When you're on these drugs, the psychology of it, you know damn well, like you're you're cheating the system. You know this, like you're injecting something into your stomach once a week. You feel the side effects. You're very wary you're doing it. So how do you fully shift and become this new person and this new identity when you almost kind of know you're like, Ooh, don't tell my dirty secret. Like even if you're being <laughs> honest about it, subconsciously, you never match up to that conscious brain and make that full identity shift. and. And anything, and it's it concerns me again for the right person. There's a reason these drugs exist, and I in ten years I might say these are not good for anybody, um, but we just don't have that clinical data yet. But what we do have is that it's definitely a cheat sheet, and it's a fast one, and so everyone's getting on it. Shout out to the people who are working on changing their habits, like my client. Like she never even considered stopping doing coaching because she was like, no, I have to have it. Like I don't just want to eat. Less and then lose weight because I know once I get off it, I'll just regain it. But unfortunately, a lot of people are are not doing that because we live in a society that wants quick, instant gratification, quick results. And so it's concerning because you're not going to have that full identity shift. And and you have to, you have to change your identity. And I I, I would I would thought you were gonna say even the 20% they examined, I, I bet there was a component too of these people built muscle. Or they they were strength training, so they had these new foundation habits. Like they were a, you know, there were somebody. I love when a client will say to me, "I'm just not a, I'm not a lifting type of person, or I'm not a workout girl." I had one gal tell me, um, "You know, actually, tell me, I don't, I, I think you know Jody Moore." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not Did really she say a work, that? I'm not a workout girl, and I said, "You know all the mindset stuff." I said, "So then you're never going to be a workout girl, right?" She's like, well, "Yeah, I'm just not like a lifting girl," and I'm like, well, "What if you became one?" And she goes, "I like that." So by the end, she was like, yeah, I did my workouts because I'm a lifting type of girl. I was like, that's oh, right. I love that. And I saw it shift and she didn't love it like I wanted her to, but she loved the results she got from it enough that she shifted some of her identity that, no, yeah, I'm not trying to be jacked, but I, I lift weights because I know what it does for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I Yesterday, I my little boy was trying to get a ball that had rolled under the couch And what's funny about it is I was like, I could get on my hands and knees and I could reach under and I could grab this ball for him. But (laughs) that seemed like a lot of work. But lifting up the whole couch for him to crawl under and grab it just seemed fun for me. So I just like lifted up the couch and he got his ball. And then he looks at me, he goes, whoa, mom, you're so strong. And I was like, that was the best feeling in the world. Like, I... It does. It like just changes your identity of like, that's, that's actually what I love is just feeling strong. But I'm very much like her in that when I very first started lifting weights, I hated it. I didn't hate it. That sounds bad. I felt so out of place. And I came from a running world. And I remember, I felt like everybody was looking at me. Nobody was. But little insecure Lindsay felt like the world was looking at me, judging me, and I'm not strong. 
because I wasn't. I could barely like curl five pounds and I'm not even over-exaggerating. And um, yeah, I just felt out of place. And so to, to look back on who I was six years, seven years ago, eight, it's been a while, <laughs> to look back at who I was then and to see, actually, we can change. We mm. do get to choose. We don't have to succumb. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. That that complete, and that's what happened with me in my sobriety journey. Is I I had this psychic change, like that that they talk about in 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 the book that kind of guides you through the twelve steps of like we must have like I changed my identity. I'm like, oh, I'm not just I'm not just like a hopeless junkie who's never going to get this. Like there was a shift where I'm like, no, I'm like an actually like contributing member of society. Like I have something to offer. Like that change that like I'm not just an addict was was revolutionary for me and like when you have that shift about who you are as your identity example, I just went to Mexico with this coaching group I'm part of and actually got a little pushback on my story because I called out the very factual obvious, which is there was so many, it was like a little cheaper resort. I'm just, I'm sorry. Like if you want to feel, I I felt like a Greek God there. I called out the fact that it was sad to me how many obese people, I'm not talking just a little overweight, obese people that were at that resort. And the gym was nice completely empty both times I went. The buffet, because it's all-inclusive, was packed 24-7. And I offended people. Um, I guess I could have gone about it a little more tact. I was like, okay. I just said, hey, like coaches, don't worry about it being a flooded industry. Trust me, there's there's enough people that need your help. I know it seems flooded in the online coaching. My message was more to the coaches. Like, you're not going to run out of business. Trust me. Yeah. But people say, it just seems so flooded. It seems like everyone's an online coach. I'm like, sure. Like in your world, it is. But trust me, there's far more people that need your help than there are coaches. Um, But I, I watched these people and I had somebody respond to me and said, well, then what? So does semi-glutide make sense for these people? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. if the, like, Or somebody said to me, Oh, well, sorry, we're not perfect like you are on vacation. I'm like, oh no, I'm I'm actually eating whatever I want for these three days. I'm not being perfect. But I still go move my body. I still get my steps in because it's just my identity. It's just who I am. Yeah. And I our version of probably going off the wagon. And I've seen them with clients where they're like, oh, I kind of blew it. And then we actually start examining it. I'm like, do you realize what you're blowing it now, quotes is compared to you a year ago? Mm-hmm. Like, that's right it's still significantly better because you've shifted your identity. So like, even though I was like eating whatever I want, air quotes added, I guarantee I was eating better than most people at that resort. So it's simply, it's an identity shift. Like I look for protein, I got some fruit, but I definitely enjoyed other things I wanted with no guilt, no shame um, because my identity, right? I'm just like, like I'll get back on track too. That's another thing. Like, I'm not worried about getting home and being like, I have to, I have to get back to like eating cleaner. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's part of your identity and when you found foods that you love, here's the other thing, right? It's like when your normal foods, not that you have, like, I tell this to people all the time. I don't have my diet food and then my regular food. I have my food that I love. And when I go into a diet, I just make small adjustments to it. That is, that's key, right? I feel like that is you, the I, missing key. I quoted you on on a podcast. I don't know, whenever that was, six weeks ago. I heard you say that on a story. So I referenced you and I said, she nailed it on the head. Like, that is it. Like, I, and 
you've shown a lot of your food. Maybe I need to do a better idea, but we actually eat really similar. Like the Just Bear chicken sandwich, like we make our own version of a Chick-fil-A sandwich and it's delicious. And like, oh my gosh, the seed oils. Wow, wow, wow. Like, like <laughs> it's just our, like we do, like I just eat more when I'm at maintenance or less when I'm in a dieting phase or even more when I'm in a build, when I'm in a surplus. Yeah. And I probably fit a few extra things in there on, on a surplus that maybe I wouldn't on a bill, but that, or I mean, on, on a deficit. Um, like I, I always have like a Pop-Tart pre-workout because Pop-Tarts are delicious and I love eating them. But when I'm dieting, I don't because I don't want to waste 35 grams of carbs on something that yeah. really doesn't fill me up. But yeah. for the general sense, it's just our food. I loved that you said that. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about, you know, learning how to do flexible dieting and macros is, and yes, I'm biased to that because that's what we use at key, but it's just that you start realizing it's just your food. It's not, oh, I have to eat this because I'm on, you don't just eat the salad when you're dieting. You yeah. don't salad, maybe you add a little yummier dressing when you're at maintenance or, you know, whatever. Maybe exactly. I'm using a little lower calorie dressings on a deficit, but it's just my food. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, I just love that too. I, I have seen, I've seen it just click for people like, oh my gosh, I was talking, onboarding a girl and I asked her, well, what do you have for breakfast? And she said, well, when I'm in a diet, I eat and she described her meal. And I was like, I'm going to be really honest. That sounds disgusting. Do you enjoy it? (laughs) She goes, no, actually I don't, but I'm in a cut. And so you have to. And I said, Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. We're going to change that. Like you, that's not the, that's, that's no way to live. So, and, and I was raised in a family where every time you went on a diet, you either did a soup diet or no sugar, no sugar or soup diet. Cabbage soup (laughs) diet, this, that. I remember very vividly always thinking as like an eight-year-old kid, I remember how grouchy my mom was. I remember one specific time, maybe I was 10, where she got super upset with all this at the dinner table because we're eating our normal food and she's eating her diet food, which consisted of like a pathetic salad and soup. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, mom is mean when she diets. Like, I don't like, I don't like diet mom. Like, I I couldn't (laughs) comprehend what that meant, but that's because for years my mom did. And guess what? Finally, years ago, my mom came to me and people, I helped her for free at first. And then I started charging her like a fraction of what I normally do. And people thought I was a dick, but she actually paid. She paid attention, right? And mm-hmm. she finally shifted out of that and realized it's just her food. Like she's not dying right now. I was over there and I just saw her having her little glass of muscle egg and her English muffin with a little smear of peanut butter and a side of fruit. Like that's just, she's just her food now. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have an identity shift. How can you have identity shifts when you're like, this is my diet food? And that's another reason I feel passionate about this lawyer. Um, that, you know, people ask me what I compete again. And I'm like, it's not that I'm scared of the hard work. Trust me, I actually um, know what it's about. And I'm not like, wouldn't look forward to it. I do not underestimate how hard a show prep is. Um, so, but no, I'm not scared of the work. It's some of the shifts that have to happen that I've worked really hard to undo since I used to compete, which is I did have my show prep foods because, you know, when you have, like 15 grams of fat and 300 grams of protein to hit. Like it's not like it was foods I would never eat, but I was eating so much white fish and 16 egg whites at a time. And it definitely was 
my diet food and my regular food. And that's why you see people binge after a show because it's so incredibly restrictive um, to hit these crazy macros. And so that's my thoughts. I didn't realize you had competed. When was that? 2014, 15, 16. Yeah. So 2014 to 2016. That's where I came up with the, that's when I had the sober bodybuilder tagline came along. I'm no longer a bodybuilder. So I always joke that if I don't stay sober, I've got to change my whole tag because it can't be the not sober, not bodybuilder. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, did pretty well, but I, I just, what it sacrificed in my life. And that's a whole different rabbit hole to go down. But um, mm-hmm. I was sitting there in the best shape of my whole entire life saying the most crude things to myself because it's never lean enough. And I realized how obsessive I got and spiritually unfit. And um, and that's, again, some people compete in a very healthy manner. I think most people do not, but there's mm-hmm. definitely exceptions and I've met them and my hat is off to them. I want to talk, let's finish off with this then, because I made an announcement to my husband that for my 40th, I'm like, maybe I will do a show he shook his head and I'm like, what, what? Like this is, I, I want to do like a powerlifting competition when I turn 40, I want to do a, a show. I think it will be really, really fun. And he's like, well, why do you want to do it? I'm like, cause I want to, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have to give you a better explanation than that. But, um, he thought about it for a few hours and then he actually came to me and he goes, we've got to talk about this. And I was really surprised with how serious it is. So for him, how serious he came up to me with it. So he's done shows and he always did really well. And he has a great physique. And so he did amazing. And he started opening up to me about what it did to him mentally. Mm. And he started telling me about like, it was, I, I was actually really shocked. He's like, it's not just about like you dieting down and doing something really hard. He's like, because I've done that. I, sh- I, I prepped for a show and then I ended with a photo shoot. And he's like, you ending with a photo shoot. He's like, I'm fine with that. But he's like, you have to understand what it does to you mentally to end with standing in front of people and now they're going to tell you if you're good enough. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they're going to have you line up in front with all these other people and they're going to, this person is first and this person looks better than that person. This, And he's like, I don't, you know, you're kind of on a high with the show. And if you do really, really well, that's awesome. But what about the person who doesn't get a call out? Or what about the person who lines up on the very, very ends? And he's like, I was never that person. But even then, when he got third place, I watched him like it crushed him. But it was it was really fascinating. He's like, and then you get a piece of paper afterwards saying like what you need to change about your body next time. Yeah. And he's like, are you, you've given so much to fitness, Lindsay. You have worked so hard to build. Are you now ready to take the body you've built that you love and have somebody else tell you whether it's good enough or not? And I was just like... I don't know. I, what are your thoughts about all of that? Yeah, I agree. You know, my first show was a really cool experience. I had always said I wanted to compete, but I couldn't stay sober. And so it was this bucket list item. It was actually really cool. Um, and I I actually really enjoyed the process. I didn't completely destroy my life. Like, um, And I got up there and 
fortunately or unfortunately, I did really well. Like I won my class and I had people come up and be like, you've got a real shot in this sport. And so I was like, let's do another one. So immediately went through a reverse diet, then into a build. And then I think competed nine or 10 months later again. And um, that show, I did not win my class and I did not go for the overall. And along the way too, there was so much ego involved that like the first show was just like, I genuinely was like, I don't know if I'll do well, but I'm just so pumped. I'm finally doing this. Like yeah. it was a really yeah. cool experience. And the second and third, like then my ego got involved of, well, you know, I'm just out to beat that guy, like me versus me. And like, and when you don't do as well as you thought, even though I thought I looked way better, apparently they thought differently. Um, it was really bad. And like I blew, I was in a relationship at the time, like she moved out right before the show because I was so cranky and ornery and mean. And I think I could do it different now, but it is funny what happens. And then, and then it was like, okay, after that, like, almost like I was angry, anger lifting for the next year. Like I'm going to, I'm going to come back and I'm going to prove and I'm going to do so well. And after that one, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm done. And I actually, I I won my class. It was a really horrible class. Like the guys did not look very good. Um, And I didn't win the overall, but that's when I was like, all right, like I'm trying to recreate that whole thing for the first show. And if I would have done that whole first show and done a photo shoot at the end and not got on stage, um, I think it would have been, and it still was rewarding, but mm-hmm. he's absolutely right. It was, and I wasn't emotionally mature enough at the time to like really comprehend how destructive it was for me, for them to basically tell me like, oh no, you don't look good. Like you have too much fat on your lower back. And like, it was, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree. You could compete really well though. And I hate when people say that to me. I'm like, I know, but this doesn't mean I should. I think it would be fun to do it. I think it would be... I don't know. I'm hesitant about it because even those that I'm like, oh, but so-and-so and so-and-so do it and they do really well mentally. And then I talk to them three weeks out of a show. I'm like, you're crumbling. Like, this is not okay. I thought you were like the last person I was holding on to that mentally was doing really well and yeah. <laughs> you're crumbling. So it it does. I think it takes people to the brink and some people really enjoy that. And some people, it just, I always tell women, I, if you're trying to find love of self, you don't, don't look for it up on the stage. That's yeah. going to be really hard to come back from. Agree with so. that 100%. Awesome. Well, I have loved our little chat. Thank you so much for your breakdown of semi-glutide and just like what it is, what people should be careful for uh, or watch for if they do decide to get on it. Is there anything that you want to end with? What What's going on with your business? Coaching. No, I appreciate you having me on. That was actually a better conversation than the first time. So everything happens for a reason. Um, yeah, do your thorough research with semi-glutide, have a good plan. I would hire a coach to make sure you're having habit change. Like you're going to have to invest a lot of money because the stuff's not cheap either. Um, That would be my best advice for you. And just really, really weigh the pros and cons. um, Because I don't think this is something to be taken as lightly as many people are. So, um, but yeah, you can find me at the Sober Bodybuilder on Instagram. Yeah. um, Key Nutrition is uh, my coaching company and I have a a team of awesome coaches and... um, my podcast, the Key Nutrition Podcast, which Lindsay might have the record still for most downloads for a guest interview. So that's where you can find me. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, Brad. Good talking with you.